uh, those of you that are from another sector here in this uh, region, you don't. And I'm sort of thankful for that. I always like to have a clean slate, you know. And uh, But uh, you have been so welcoming, and uh, I, I love coming down here. I, I have uh, Reese and Mary Kay, our uh, best friends and mentors, and have been a part of our lives for so long and helped us probably more than any other couple in our marriage. And that's on my heart because we had a big marriage workshop yesterday. You know, you go to those things and sort of gird yourself up, so... My wife's going to tell me those things that she's been holding back telling me, and now she gets to tell me. And we had a whole hour where we got to talk to each other, and I, I came out pretty unscathed. I'm pretty fired up today, you know? I thought I'd probably be coming in here all wounded and hardly able to preach, and, you know, I'm all fired up. Anyway, that's personal problems. i got to get off of that and get on with the lesson. But uh, welcome, those of you that are here. You know, I, I knew that, that this would be a mix of uh, of uh, all diversity, and I was excited about that. You know, I'm from uh, a Polish father, and uh, also has some German blood there, and a German grandmother, and a Hispanic uh, grandfather, and so so uh, you know, I I uh, it's it's my great great grandfather and grandmother came from Mexico, and so unfortunately, I didn't uh, get. Uh, the language, and that's sort of my next goal after I finish uh, what I'm working on right now to learn Spanish again. I uh, I learned it. Yeah, Amen. In California, if you can be bilingual, and especially as a minister, you might be able to reach a few more people. You know, duh. So uh, I'm pretty excited about that. But uh, I knew the blood was in me, and it was really bubbling up to the service today, you know, my Hispanic heritage. Because, I, you know, you come down from the mountain, we call it uh, the high desert up in Antelope Valley where I live, and we call this down below. Don't take it personal. But uh, So I came from above down below. But anyway, um, as I was coming down, my radio station changed. You know, it started with country, and then I thought, you know, I need to get in a worshipful mood. So I changed it to Christian. And... Uh, I was listening to my Christian music, then I lost it, and on came a Spanish station. And I mean, I didn't even notice for like 20 minutes, I was, I was into it, and I thought, why am I listening to this? I don't even know what they're saying, you know? Oh, it must be my heritage. Good. Well, I'll just, I'll ride with it for a while. And then that fell out, and you know, t- I think God wanted to sort of encourage me, get me ready for the sermon this morning, give me a, a Beatles uh, station next. So, uh, you know, let it be, baby. Let it be. All right. Yeah, they did a study of who's happy. This study of what makes people happy. Who are the happiest people and what are the characteristics in their life? And the four things that uh, were consistent in happy people, you might be surprised. The first one's love. You've got to have relationships where you're heart connected, you're emotionally connected. You have you have that kind of uh, relationship where you're loved and you you feel loved and you give love. And the second one was health. You know that's why I moved back to California. I've lived here uh, uh, three times. This is the fourth. I think this way stick. You know it's supposed to stick on the third, but you know three times a charm. But take you know took me because I'm Polish four. But, uh, and you know, there's a fountain of youth in California. You know, it's so discouraging to age in the Midwest and then come back and see, 
you know, Raphael and Griselda look as young as they did when they're college students. I mean, I think he's even lost some weight. I mean, it makes me feel so old, you know. And so, praise God, I got back to California. I'm going to quit aging. I mean, look at recent America. They, I don't think they've aged in 30 years. It's sort of discouraging. But anyway, I'm back. And I'm working out three times a week, so hopefully I'll get into some California sh- shape. But, you know, I, you got to have your health to be happy. you got to have it. And, you know, don't, don't be surprised. That, you know, I'm the guest speaker, so, you know... Th- There'll be a normal person next week, all right? All right. And then uh, you've got to have some kind of meaningful work. You've got to have some kind of self-expression. It doesn't have to be necessary paid work. Some way in which you're giving to other people. You're pouring yourself out. You're expressing yourself from your gifts and your abilities and your talents and your uniqueness that God's given you. And it doesn't help, hurt, I mean, to have, it doesn't help, it does help to have wealth. All right, and and it, but that's that's a relative thing. Really, it means you're content with what you have. That's what the study showed, going a little deeper. Not just rich people, but people that were content. And so, you know, I read that study, and then I looked at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and all the Beatitudes say this is the happy person. Blessed in the Greek, it really means very happy. Very happy is the person who's poor in spirit. Very happy is the person that mourns. Well, that's an ironic oxymoron, isn't it? Well, it really means that person that has heart and can have empathy and can connect and express their emotions and receive emotion. All right? How happy are those who are meek? It's the powerful, it's the strong, but use their power in a just and right way and are self-controlled and can control their, their tongue. You know how it was when we were young. We said whatever we thought. <laughs> Boy, did that get me in trouble. You guys wonder why I moved out of California. Well, you know, I didn't have quite enough meekness. So, <laughs> another personal problem. You guys wonder what he's talking about. You don't want to know. <laughs> And then he says in verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then verse 7, Blessed are the merciful. And then verse 8, How happy are those who are pure in heart. And then verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers. And then verse 10, Blessed are you if you're persecuted for righteousness' sake. See, the, the world says you got to have these things, but God says, here's the path. Here's the path to get happy. And we're going to look at the conclusion of the Beatitudes today on being salt and light. But just for your own study and quiet times and and reference, I'd encourage you to cross-reference the Beatitudes with Matthew 23 and the woes of the the, the hypocrites and the Pharisees. Because there's a direct correlation from everything that will make you happy to the things that often religious people do to be unhappy. That if you get off track, spiritually. Because, blessed are the mourn, in uh, Matthew 23, it says, blessed are the proud. So instead of being humble, they're proud. And then instead of having hard and mourning, they're hypocrites. They're fakes. They're superficial. And then the, the meek, instead of being meek, they went over converts just to take advantage of them. And make them twice the children of hell than they were to begin with. 
And then if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, Matthew 23 is, is people that didn't connect, keep their vows and their commitments. Alright? So you have this contrast. And throughout the scriptures, when you read it, you gotta see those contrasts. There's a contrast of characters, there's contrast of teaching. I mean, it goes back and forth, basically saying you can be this person or you can be this person. And it's really more like you can be this person, a good person, or you can be this person. Alright? And life's about choices. That's the new mode of parenting today, isn't it? Give your kids choices. They'll quit being so rebellious. It's good to see all you young people, too. Smile, will you? You know? I really am funny. I know I am. You just haven't learned it yet. Alright? But that was pretty cool, all you guys up here on stage. You know? I don't jump anymore, you know? Because you break. You can break. But we love to see you do it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, blessed are the merciful. Well, the Pharisees gave no mercy. Blessed are the pure. Well, they were greedy and full of all kinds of indulgence on the inside. Outside looked good. Blessed are the peacemakers. Well, the opposite was the wicked. And blessed are those who were persecuted. Well, those they, be, they were the persecutors. So the Sermon on the Mount is one of those lessons we've got to absorb. Okay? We've got to become, it's the character. It's be attitudes. Be this and you'll be happy. Alright? And those things are not what the world lifts up as the character of the successful. Especially here in California of the successful person. But there's also a correlation between the Beatitudes and the Ten Commandments. Really, I believe the Sermon on the Mount is the reinterpretation, the proper interpretation of God's initial law, the Torah. Because the Torah was initially to tell us how to be happy and please God, but it became this legalistic form of religion. And so Jesus had to come in His first sermon and say, no, you got it all wrong, guys. This isn't how... We're supposed to practice pleasing God. This is the way. And so he starts off with the Sermon on the Mount. And so if you, you relate these Beatitudes to the commands, that's very interesting too. Are you with me here? You, you, okay, stay with me. Work hard with your mind for a minute. You didn't think coming to church was going to be so mindful, did you? All right? You thought, you know, I'd entertain you. There's no way. I told you. I'm Polish. All right? No, we're trying to see God here. Amen? So the poor in spirit's related to no other gods. When you're proud, you worship yourself, or you definitely don't worship God and listen to God. So that's the correlation there. Blessed are those that mourn. When you don't have heart and you don't have self-awareness, then you mock God. That's taking the Lord's name in vain. You curse things. The meek, what's that other one? Keep keeping, not keeping the Sabbath. Not being a worshipful person, not acknowledging the greatness of God. Hunger and thirsting for righteousness. This one was interesting. This threw me a little bit. Honoring father and mother. Realizing there's this spiritual hierarchy that you gotta know your place. You gotta have a sober view of yourself. Alright? Then blessed are the merciful. Who doesn't show mercy? What's the opposite end of that? The murderers. Thou shalt not murder. The pure, the adulterers. This makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, you're a smart guy, Greg. Well, no, I've studied a lot. All right? Blessed are the peacemakers. 
Those are the do not still. Don't take from other people, give to other people. And the persecuted those that bear false witness. See that connection? And the reason, though, that Jesus came in the Beatitudes and didn't give us commands again is because we don't understand negative injunctions. Our brains don't get it. Parents, you've got to hear me here. If you didn't come from any other reason, I'm going to give you a freebie here. All right? You tell your kid, don't go in the street. You know what they hear? Go in the street. Until your fo- brain is fully formed, until you're adult, you don't understand. It's abstract thinking. You don't understand negative injunction. So when you tell your little child, the better thing to tell your little child is stay on the sidewalk. You know what they hear? Stay on the sidewalk. But you say, don't go in the street. They go, oh, I think he told me to get in the street. (laughs) Now I know why my kids didn't obey me. Man, I wish somebody early would have told me that. And look, you you came to church, you didn't even know you were going to realize that. Oh, you can go away so much better parent and you kids can can got an excuse now well i don't understand i don't understand (laughs) and they didn't even get that all right but that's why the beatitudes are not negative they're positive what we need to be amen the sermon on the mount is the king's speech and the verses that we're going to look at this morning are the wrap-up the conclusion of the Beatitudes, and oh, they're powerful. I've got so excited. And guys, this is a new sermon. You know, a guest speaker sometimes uses his best stuff from his home church. Me, I'm giving you my home church stuff before they get it. All right? Yeah, I prepared this two weeks ago, and, and I, I, I did it for you. All right? Because, see, you deserve the best. You guys have invited me back now a few times. I think, well, I guess I'll just do something new and fresh for them. So, really, I'm rehearsing so I can do it even better at home. Matthew 35, you know, you got to be honest. You know, you wouldn't believe me if I wasn't honest, so I'm just being honest. Matthew 5, 13 through 16, the salt and the light. Be a blessing to the nations, be a light to the nations, and we'll read those verses from Isaiah. Be a blessing as salt is to the nations. Be a servant to the nations, he's saying. Be a house of prayer. The people of God need to bless the rest of the world. That's what salt is. That's why we have a worldwide hope organization. That's why we have worldwide churches. Because we, as God's people, need to be a blessing. But how do we do that? He says, be salt and light. You know, I've been a Christian for so long. And I'm finally figuring out what salt and light is. You know, I used to think I should be all salt. You know what all salt does? Makes people throw up. We're mainly water. If you become all salt, you become a pillar of salt. That's why I figured that out. But I I knew that already. I used to play football. And before you go out on practice fields in the summer, they would give you salt tablets. And they'd give you like a handful and they'd say, take this and drink a lot of water. And we'd take them and drink a lot of water. And we'd get outside and start sweating. And we'd throw up the salt tablets. You can't have too much salt. Too much salt's gross. (laughs) Have you ever been tricked at school? They took off the lid, they unscrewed it. 
And you poured salt on your cucumbers and the whole thing got showered and you love cucumbers so much you went ahead and ate them and you're... <laughs> too much salt. We got to be salty as Christians, but we can't be too salty. All right? So I told you guys I was funny. Yeah. And then what does it mean to be light? Matthew 5, 13 through 14. See, I got my preacher boys going now. You're the salt of the earth. No, that's just weird. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. It's sort of a warning to us, isn't it, Christians? Keep your saltiness. You know, it's great how marriage, you, you marry your opposite in some ways. You know, my wife has learned to be more assertive. She's a professional therapist, and, and uh, she, she started out a very humble, sweet southern, you know, belle, and that's why I married her. And, and, uh, and then she got educated and got to know me and learned all these assertiveness skills, and she got a little more salty. And we've sort of had to meet in the middle. I sort of started out too salty, you know, where, you know, just a little grating, a little too much, a little edgy, a little harsh, a little rough on the edges. You know, if you were raised in western Colorado with three older brothers, you'd be a little rough too, all right? Most people come visit where I grew up, well, you've come a long way, Greg. Thank you. Thank you very much. But I've needed to not be too salty. But if you lose, if you lose your salt, and we're, we're going to find that for you, you're not good to God. You're not going to please God. You're not going to be where you need to be in the end, is what he's saying. We've got to be both the salt and light. And so he goes on and he says, let's define it for you. In the ancient world, salt was used as a preservative rubbed into the meat. And a little salt, not a lot, a little salt would slow the decay. Strictly speaking, salt cannot lose its saltiness. Sodium chloride, for you chemists, is a stable compound. But most salt in the ancient world was derived from salt marshes rather than from the evaporation of salt water and therefore contained many impurities. The actual salt being more soluble, soluble, that means water, uh, then the impurities could leach out, leaving a residue so diluted it was of little worth. So if you get too diluted in your Christian spiritual saltiness, you're no good. Hey, older Christians, been around for a while. Have you lost your saltiness? I have. I mean, when you're too salty, what do you do? The pendulum swings and you're just not salty anymore. People didn't like the salty dog Greg, so I became the sweet Greg. Right? And then I became good for nothing. That's the sentimental Greg, not the... You can be too salty, but you got to still be salty. You still got to have conviction. You still got to have some grit and some fire in your bones. Especially when you get older. Alright? And so, he says, don't... Let the good get leached out, guys. We're the salt 
of the earth. You know what happens to most of us when we're older? You know, it's, I've, I've studied counseling and, and therapy the last several years. And uh, that's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing. Because uh, you get around a bunch of other counseling students, you start psychoanalyzing each other. You know? And a little knowledge is dangerous. It's like a hand grenade. All right? I mean, and you get afraid to share anything. I, I was in a supervision group two weeks ago, and I... I shared, I don't know, we were talking about birthdays and somebody was having a birthday and I just threw out. Don't ever do that. Don't just throw things out. I, I just threw out that I'm always depressed on my birthday. And this counselor picked up on that. So what was your birth like? I said, I don't know. I didn't have much cognitive functioning. Well, what was your mother's state of mind? I don't know. I never really asked her. Well, something probably happened at your birth. And on your birthday, that's why you're depressed. That's why you're moody on your birthday. Gloomy and down. Oh, thank you. That's very helpful. But she didn't stop. And she asked some more questions, and there's a little bit to it. My mother almost died with the, the, my brother just ahead of me, the third son from diabetes pregnancy. And so my dad had a vasectomy, so I wasn't supposed to be here. And so, man, I shouldn't have said that. Well, that's it. Your mother was afraid during her pregnancy with you that she'd die. And so all that stress and all that, you know, got in the womb. And that's why you're such a, a, a detached, perfectionist, moody, depressed person. You know, I wasn't until you said that. It took me, it took me a week to get out of the funk. There is a little bit to it, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna let her help me work through those emotions. <laughs> really, I'm just gonna see where it goes. I'm on the journey. But I do know this: if you don't express, if you don't have heart, like Jesus said, how happy are those who mourn? Unless you express your grief, your loss, your pain, if you stuff it, you won't be happy. And so we need to get, we need to listen to these things from Jesus. We need to be salt, guys. And Isaiah 56 verse 7. These will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifice will be accepted on my altar for my house will be called a house of prayer. See, a salty light church is a house of prayer for the nations. It's a blessing to the nations. We are to stay salty, but not too salty. It says in be a blessing as salt is to the nations. In Isaiah 42, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will what? Bring justice to the earth. So I'm, I haven't defined for you salt and light yet, but we're getting there. This is the build-up. See, the sermon's not over yet. I've got to build to a climax. Keep you listening. Here it is. What is salt? What is spiritual salt and light? 
if we let the Bible explain itself, you know, I, I have a doctorate in biblical studies, and so everybody thinks I, have, I know all the biblical answers. I don't. I don't. I've forgotten more than I know right now. But I do know this from all my studies over 15 years of graduate school, that the, the Bible will explain itself if you look deep enough. And what salt is and what light is, Jesus said right here in the Sermon on the Mount. Because every writer in the scriptures used often, they used a chiastic style where they sort of got to a peak and came back and got to a peak and came back. If you count the Beatitudes, there's three and the fourth one talks about righteousness. There's three and the fourth one talks about righteousness. And the first three say if you empty yourself, if you get the pride out, and you get those things out, those negative emotions that are keeping you from having heart, that are hardening your heart, if you get that out, and if you learn how to control yourself and be meek, if you get the bad stuff out and just keep the good, you'll be righteous. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then you'll see God. And then if you add these things, the next three Beatitudes tell you what to add. He says, blessed are what? The merciful. If you become a forgiving person, you're going to be righteous. You're going to be salt. You're going to be light. Right? And then he says, blessed are the pure. I mean, our world is bombarded with pornography and sex and perversion and putrid stuff. Greg, don't get so loud. Be meek. Told you, I'm coming from this salty dog. I'm always going to reel myself in. But we've got to be pure, folks. I'm encouraging, I'm begging, I'm trying to inspire and motivate brothers and sisters constantly. Be pure. Because the world is constantly saying, be a pervert. Feed your sensuality. Be a hidden, hedonistic, out of control, sensual dog. And I, and God says, you won't be happy. You will not be happy. But if you're pure, if you add that, you'll be righteous. What does righteousness mean? Right relationship with God and other people. I'll be able to have love. I'll be able to self-express myself. I'll have all those ingredients for happiness if I'm righteous. The first four of emptying, I think that's the humility, mourning, and meek. That's the salt. I think the things we add, merciful, purity, and peace, that's the light. Or they're all six, salt and light. It's something like that. I'm close. Right? Brothers and sisters, you and I are called to be salt and light. What that means is we're the seasoning for the world. You know, I make eggs. It's the only thing I really cook. We have a guest speaker in town in my church. That's why I could take the day off, come down here, be with you. 
But Jake Elliott is in town. He did a marriage retreat yesterday, and I, I got up and I cooked him my famous scrambled eggs. Oh, I'm good. I break three, six, whatever, ten eggs. And I, I put in a little water, put in a little milk, and I stir it up and I whip it up. Then I pour it in the, in the pan, and then I put pepper. Told you my wife's from the South. And then a, this stuff called dash. It's sort of a mixture of things. And you just cover it so the yellow goes away. Yeah. And you cook it up. And then you put cheese on it. Oh, I wish I'd have had it this morning. I had bagel and cream cheese. Tomorrow I'll have some eggs. Then my cholesterol will go through the roof. It's just a little salt. A little seasoning. You don't have to be rude and obnoxious and self-righteous. Not like the, and legalistic like the Pharisees. But you've got to have conviction about righteousness and purity and humility and empathy and heart. Are you with me here? And we've got to shine, folks. We've got to shine as peacemakers. We've got to shine as merciful people. And that's all he's saying. In this passage, Matthew five fifteen through 16, You're the light of the world, and a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your what? Good deeds. That's how you shine. And glorify who? Yourself? Your Father, who's in heaven. See, you gave a contribution to strangers today. People you'll never meet. That's being light to the world. The rest of the world thinks us all Americans, especially they think all Californians are rich, live in Malibu by the beach, drive Mercedes. Yeah, never. You know? But we still have a lot to give. Amen? We are the light of the world. What would the world be without us? It's not a hard question. Dark. Dark. Without Christians that shine with purity and mercy and peace, the world's dark. And that's not a pretty place. Paris got dark for a while. The high desert gets real dark at night. You guys got city lights. It's always bright here. You don't, you get off the beaten path just by our church building. It's like, man, are my headlights on? I'm going to have to slow down. I'm not going to be able to go Mach 3 on the way home. It's dark out there. If you've ever been in dark, you know what caused me to become a Christian? Darkness. I saw the darkness growing within me. I saw the darkness all around me. I didn't want to be in darkness anymore. I love being in the light. Totally transparent, real, authentic. What you see is what you get. Did you figure that out? It's not beautiful, but it's okay. Uh-huh. It's good enough. Good enough for you. Good enough for me. Good enough for God. Isaiah 49, verse 6. 
It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a what? A light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach the ends of the world. Guys, we've got to let our light shine. And one thing you've got to do to let your light shine is to deal with the negative. We haven't got all the pollution out and we won't get it all out. Stop acting like you're a perfect Christian. Even Reese got up here and said he wasn't perfect. All right, None of us are. And so practice car. It's simple. Catch yourself in a negative emotion or negative thought. Ask yourself, what would Jesus do? Why am I thinking this? And then R, replace it with a Christian thought. A positive thought. You know, negative people are mentally ill. It leads to mental illness. That if you stay on a negative, cynical track, folks, you will need care. And it gets worse and worse. I am a worrier, and maybe I did inherit that from mom. Maybe I got that from birth. Who cares? I got it now, so let's get fixed. So let's be light. Let's be happy. Let's, let's practice what Jesus said. Amen? He goes on. He says, you're the light, you're the, you're the, the salt. Be the light of the nations, a blessing to nations. Light and righteousness and justice. Isaiah 51, verse 4. Listen to me, my people. Hear me, my, my nations. Instruction will go out from me. My justice will become a light to the nations. We're lights in a dark world. We're that one bulb, folks. The term light, phos. You're the phos of the world. Yeah, that's new. That that's catchy. It's one syllable. It's easy. False, baby. False. You guys see, I can do it too. False. Right. And singular. While well, the word you, you are plural. The false, the one light. So we all combine to be a bright light. The scripture did not say you are the lights, but the light. You all are light. Coming together as a corporate body. Let's pour out the salt. Let's turn on the light. How do we salt? How are we light? Six things to leave you with. Be righteous. Be light. Be salt by practicing humility. It's hard to be humble. Some country singer from Lubbock, Texas wrote a song. Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble. And that's never got out of my head for some reason. It really stinks. It maybe isn't as hard. He just, it was hard for him. But we need to practice humility. Express emotions and empathy. Have heart. Blessed are those who mourn. Feel. You feel it and you feel it with other people. Express your emotions and practice empathy. Number three, be meek, be self-controlled, be disciplined with your words, with your tongue, with your actions, with your life. Don't let it all hang out. It's really ugly when you do, when I do. Number four, maintain purity. Oh, you preachers, you're always harping on purity. Yeah, we are. But we're always going to get used to it so you can be happy. Extend mercy. If 
five years ago, I learned some things that challenged me to the max to extend mercy. Every day I'm having to extend mercy over what I've figured out. I wish I didn't have that challenge. But I would be a very unhappy person if I didn't extend mercy. So I do. Somewhere in your life, someone you love and you care about, that you're very close to, is going to hurt you. And you've got to extend mercy. Satan will make sure you get injured by somebody. And the only way you'll be happy is to extend mercy. Number six, resolve conflict and make peace. You know, Jesus said it, settle matters quickly, do it. It only hurts us when we keep stuff inside. Why are you preaching this, Greg? Because I want us to be salt and light and more than that. Be happy. Be happy. God bless you. Amen. Let's stand on up. Let's have a closing song. It's called Send Me Out. Let's take what Greg said to heart. Let's be salt and light. Let's go out into the world.